One of the things we say at Watermark, our mission, if you went to watermark.org and you looked up what is the mission statement at Watermark, I'm going to get the words out yet. Um, our mission is to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And so because we are a part of Watermark, we're all women and we're here for a Bible study, then we would just tack on a little bit to that. So the purpose of this Bible study is to become fully devoted followers of Christ through the study of God's Word and the application to our lives to let it transform us. That's what we're here to do every Wednesday. That's who we are, and that principle guides everything else that we do. Now, what do we believe then? What informs what we're going to do? Well, what we believe here, and if you're new, you're a visitor, we're so glad you're here. And um, in years past, we've had lots of women that go to different churches, but because their church didn't do a study, they've joined us, and we're thrilled. And again, so humbled that you would trust us um, and, and want to partner and lock arms with us. We love that. But we need you to know what we believe. And what we believe is that the Bible, and if I was teaching children, I would hold it up right now, and I would say, the Bible is absolutely True. Help me out, ladies. Come on now. So this is God's Word. It's the B-I-B-L-E, and it is absolutely true. Now, I wouldn't say this to a kid, but we believe it's inerrant. There is no error in it, which means it's absolutely true in the simple terms. So anyway, that is what we believe, and that underpins everything that we are, um, and, and that will inform what we do as we study. For the next few minutes, what I want to do is just tell you what you can look forward to this fall and what we're going to do. You know, they say that a picture is worth a thousand words. And if, in fact, that is true, then what I want to do now is flash up. Don't send any, don't do them yet. But I'm going to flash up several images to you. And as you look at these images, some will be very familiar. Some you're going to have to stop and think about. I want you to look at the image. I want you to think, what is it? Ask yourself the question, what is it? What does it represent? And then what do all of them have in common? So just quickly go through these images as in just a moment. Hold on, we're going to get there. Okay, so what did you see? Who can, can call out some of the things you saw? What are they? What was up there? Twin Towers. Okay, great. What else? The Roman Empire. Great. What else? I can hear you. A map of the earth, and specifically there was a point highlighted on that map of the earth. Anybody know what that was? Ah, the, the um, Iron Curtain, um, the thing that separated uh, Germany. All right, good. What else? The Titanic. <laughs> Believe me, I pulled up the historic picture, and I'm like, no one will even know what that is. <laughs> Let's get up the movie poster, because that they know. So, yeah, exactly, Titanic. Um, was there anything else? I'm trying to remember what else. Oh, yeah, there's one more. What else? There was one more on there. It was red. It's a red flag. It has a... Okay, it's not the Chinese flag. It is, ah, the flag of the USSR, which doesn't even exist anymore. So what do all those have in common? Don't answer. I'm going to tell you. Um, so <laughs> what those image, images all have in common is those images in their time, in their heyday, were known to be the greatest, the greatest invention of man. They were known to be um, indestructible, immovable, and yet they weren't. None of them. None of them were. All of them were fallible because, you see, they were all the invention of man. 
And some of them happened over long periods of time. They rotted from the inside out, and it took years for them to literally crumble and fall. And others, like the Twin Towers, disappeared right before your eyes, and there is not a trace left of them except the rubble that's been incorporated and rebuilt into a memorial. And how starkly those stand in contrast to God, who is indescribable, unattainable, um, awestruck, we should all, when we know him, fall to our knees. That's who we are here to worship, to get to know, um, to come to love and to, and to want to um, allow to change us into the very image of who he is and of his son. And so that's really, this fall, that's really what we're going to do. We're here to study the, the many facets of God and specifically 12 tenets of the faith that he established and set in motion from the very beginning of time. That's what we're going to do. And the really cool thing is you've probably heard on Sunday morning, those of you that are Watermark members have heard us pre viewing what's coming this fall. Todd's going to do a series called The Big 12. And no, it has nothing to do with football, thankfully. Instead, it is these things. So we're going to be dovetailing. We just want to know. We want to teach before he does. That's all I'm saying. It's like, just let us get before you because I don't want to come after you. But he also is going to be teaching on these 12 things. So you are, your mind is going to be bathed in these 12 tenets of the faith that we're going to look at. So no matter where you are on your walk, if you are new, if you're just looking to find out who this God is and what he's all about, if you've been a believer for 50 years, I think you're going to find some things that will speak and that will ring true into who, who you are and who you want to be in the Lord. So... As we do that, we're going to do that again through a workbook that you're going to get in your group. And this workbook, what I'm going to do this morning is just talk to you a little bit about the division of the book because that's really um, the process we're going to use to change ourselves every single week. And every single week, the book itself uses a three-pronged, again, approach. It has three sections, believing, behaving, and becoming. So I want to talk about what those mean, what those actually are, and and just get your mind thinking in that direction because that's what you're going to be doing each week as you examine truth. For example, this first week, you're going to look at God's Word, which is? Yeah, that's what we're going to do next week. When you leave here or tomorrow, you're going to open your book, and this is what it's going to talk about, God's Word, the inerrancy of it, the truth of it. And you're going to look at and examine what God says about his own word. And um, you're going to do that in your study. You're then going to look at how does that affect what I do, how I behave. And then you're going to say, okay, so if I believe this, it should cause me to behave this way. And ultimately, it should continue to transform who I am and help me become someone I may be some of the times, I may get a flash of sometimes, but that I really want to become. So that's what we're going to do. So Let me start with believing, and I'm going to just briefly talk through that aspect first. So what does belief mean? When you believe, what does that mean? Well, it is, believing is really, it's pivotal to everything. It matters. What you believe in life matters greatly. And specifically, what you believe about God and his word matters, I think, in two critical areas. The first is, it matters how you die. What you believe will, in fact, 
make a difference in how you die. And it's interesting how we've handled this. For those of us that call ourselves Christ followers, there's no question that what we believe about life and death and heaven and hell affects um, how we live, and it will ultimately affect how we die. It, you see, um, if we call ourselves a Christ follower, then we do believe in a literal heaven and hell. And we believe, as a Christ follower, that there is only one way to get to heaven, that great place that God has given us vivid pictures of in Scripture. And we believe that way is through Jesus Christ, His Son. So it does matter. It matters that you know this, and it will matter incredibly when you die. Because again, we believe in a literal heaven and hell, and we believe the decision you make right here, right now, affects which destination you choose. But again, it's your choice. You get to choose. And we're informed by John 3.16, that thing you see placards being held up at football games, etc. It's a verse that all of us know for God, and you can say it with me if you want to, and you know it in this version. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We believe that. And so it does matter because I want to have everlasting life, not everlasting separation from God. I want to be with him when I die. And that very thing, what I believe, also then should inform how I live. And you see, sometimes I think that's where we as the church have majored on the wrong point. Because if all we give people is you got to make this decision because you don't want to go to hell, then we are robbing them of the joy of living here and now. And what Jesus came to give us, I don't know if you know it, but man, if you know much about him, this guy came to, he was the life of the party. He brought out the best wine. I mean, get to know Jesus because wherever he went, it was Life. He breathed life into dead situations. He grabbed people back from the very pit of hell. He took the woman found in adultery and delivered her to life. He took the girl who was dead and breathed life back into her. He is life. And he wants you and I to have life and to live it just as well. As a matter of fact, he said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Not just a little, not just hum-ha, aha, you know, I'm yawning now. No, no. He wants your life to be exciting and adventure. And I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. That's what he wants. That's what he longs for you to have. And so it does matter, and we want you to be a part of living life to its fullest. And I couldn't help... My good friend Tani reminded me of this great illustration for this. It just so reminds me of the story of the old widow who uh, who had had a dream with her husband um, to take the cruise of a lifetime. I don't know how many of you have been on a cruise, but she and her husband had planned forever to take this great cruise, and they had saved and saved. And sadly, um, he went to be with the Lord before they had a chance to take this cruise. But she decided, you know what? That's okay. He would want me to do this. I'm going to live life to the fullest, and so I'm going to go. And so because they had saved and saved and put everything towards this cruise that they were going to take together, she um, made a plan because she really didn't have money left over. And so she packed along in her suitcase 
great crackers and cheese and crackers and peanut butter. You know what I mean, those great little packaged snacks. And so um, she walked through the halls every day, and she saw the lavish buffets that were out, and she was like, gosh, I'd so love to do that, but I didn't bring, I didn't have extra money. I only got myself passage on this ship. So I'm going to go back to my room, and I'm going to do it with a good attitude, and I'm a happy heart. I'm going to have my crackers and cheese or my crackers and peanut butter today for a little change of life, and I'm going to be so happy. But she also decided on the last day, I'm going to treat myself. I did save just enough to make it to the captain's dinner because it's a real special dress-up occasion. So she dressed up, and I'll be darned if she didn't get seated at the captain's table. And she was so excited, and oh my goodness, the food kept coming and coming, and it was lavish and wonderful and beyond all of her wildest dreams. And she said, wow, to the captain, this is so fabulous. I just wish I'd have had the chance to enjoy this every day. Um, I, I saved, you see, I saved for tonight so that I could be here at the dinner just with you. And he looked at her and he said, ma'am, your passage on this ship, it included 24-hour buffet all week long. I'm so sorry you didn't know. I'm so sorry you haven't enjoyed all the finest. And so my question for you today is where in your life are you eating crackers and cheese or crackers and peanut butter in your room, sitting on your own thinking, man, there's a feast outside, but I'm not part of it. I'm not in on that. I've only got crackers and cheese, and I'm just going to stay right here, and I'm going to take care of my own little business. Get on board. We're calling you to be part of the feast. Be at the captain's table and know that if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the feast is waiting for you. And that very feast then should, in fact, inform how you behave on a day-to-day -day basis. And again, we want you to behave not in your cabin eating cheese and crackers. We want you to live like life is a party. And you have come to be part of what God is doing in the world. And that, in fact, uh, informs how you behave every day. But sadly, Christians don't always practice what they believe fully in how they behave. And as a matter of fact, we don't necessarily always live like thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus commanded us to pray when he taught us to pray. That's what he told us. That's what we should be kingdom changers. We should be changing thy kingdom come here on earth now for God's will to be done. That's what we should be doing. But you know, what happens in many Christians' lives is we behave in a way that looks like we're a hypocrite. Because you see, we're fallible. We are flawed as believers, even still. We're forgiven, but we're still fallen. And we're broken people who sometimes profess one thing and act another way. And that's the classic definition of hypocrite. And it causes other people to be around us who have never believed and don't understand we still struggle. Then it causes them to get very confused and go, okay, no, wait a minute. You say this, but you're over here doing that. And forget it. I don't want any part of you religious hypocritic, hypocritical people. Um, I don't want that. And that's not what we want as believers. We don't want people to look at us and go, well, I don't want any part of that. So instead, what we call folks to here is to be authentic, to, to say, you know what? I am not there yet. I am struggling greatly in my life here. I got to tell you, I don't have it all together. As a matter of fact, I have fallen apart. I'm broken. And that's what I want you to hear um, from all of us. That's who we are. And instead, um, it... it it's a recognition of who we are, but not leaving ourselves there, saying we want to 
behave in a way that brings honor to Christ. But I love the Apostle Paul because he had the same struggle. And yet he's one of the greatest writers of the New Testament. Look what he said. I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the one. So you see, we've got to rely. We've got the power. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, the power is within you to enable you and to power you um, over what your flesh, the war that goes on within. And we want to be part of that. We want to help you struggle well. We want to, in fact, help you behave like a faithful follower. And what does that look like? Well, again, it just looks like someone who says, I am not there yet but I want to be. I, I want to declare to you that I'm going to put every amount of effort that I have within me to be the woman that God calls me to be. And we want to call you to that. I am not sinless, but because I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I should be behaving daily. I should be sinning less and less. I should be being transformed. I'm never going to be sinless on this world. And every day I'm going to have to keep short accounts and I'm going to have to say to people in my life, would you forgive me for X? Um, and would you help me better handle this eruption of anger that I just had or this impatience that I just had or the pride or the, the lie that I just told? Would you forgive me and would you help me? I want to be a bearer of truth. So, 1 Peter 2.14 tells us, So, as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, but no longer bound by human passions, but by the will of God, that's who we want you to be. And ultimately, it should help you to become Christ-like. That's what we're doing. We're transforming our lives so that we look more and more like Christ. We're on a journey. Sadly, in this instant world, we, we want it to be now. Like, I, I trusted Christ, so shouldn't I look like him now, instantly? And... It doesn't work that way. We're on a journey. We're daily transforming. We're daily learning new things. And the journey hasn't ended. And it will never end until we are called home, ultimately. till we take our last breath here, it won't be over. So we're on a journey. In, in um, big, big uh, church terms, this process, this journey that we're on is called sanctification. And the, the Word talks about it a lot, God's Word. And we're going to talk about it a lot because it's a process. It's a journey. It's what we're being called to do, to become sanctified, to look more and more like Christ on a daily basis. You know, I, I think all of us as parents have no problem understanding the sanctification process because if you've got a kid, you know exactly what I mean. We love our children more than life itself. And we know our children. We know who they are and who we raised them to be because, you know, we're part of that process. So we know and we know what they're capable of becoming. And yet at times in their life, whether they're two or they're 20, they look like somebody else, like who brought you in? I mean, who are you? You know, at, at, when you have a two-year-old, you kind of go through that, and then you, you kind of set the boat right again, and you get on a good path, and then you have a teenager, and you go through it all over again, and once again, you're like, who invaded my child's body? I know them. I know who they are, but now they're, so, they're acting like somebody else, and I have a 19 and a 20-year-old and I'm not there yet. And I have to look at my friends like Tawny and Linda who have kids that have gone beyond me to re reassure me they will come back. And there will be a time when you're going to look at them and go, there you are. I know who you are. I, and th that's sanctification. God has a plan for you. 
It's a plan and a purpose to give you a future and a hope to look like him. And sometimes you get lost along the way, but he's still going to call you to himself. He's still going to continue to love you just like you do as a parent of an errant child. And so that's who we are. As women who believe we want to be called into this world to defend the truth that is found right here, but also to be part of um, this body, this the church universal that is in the business of powerfully changing the world in which we live. That's what we want you to do. So now we invite you with us this fall to be on that journey. Be a world changer, whether it's your street on Delroy Drive or whether it's um, across the world in some foreign land. Be a world changer. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we'll see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will understand fully, even as I have been fully understood. Now I'm going to just close this in prayer. Father, thank you that you never give up on us, that you are calling us to become something different than what we are today. And we want to get on board. We want to get on the journey. And I want to invite all my friends in this room to join us as we do that this fall. Um, Help us to become kingdom changers, to usher in your kingdom um, right here on earth. And we just thank you and praise you for what you're going to do in your name. Amen.